I'm not just writing a book or write down the information that I've gathered. This is this is a tool, and and it has it has a purpose, and I want that purpose to be effective. This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bears. This week, I've got a pretty great contest for all our patrons, and you'll hear more about it in just a second. When I first started learning about fur and its use in fashion, Joshua Catcher's name came up. A lot. Joshua is an adjunct professor of fashion at Parsons, the new school. He started a lifestyle website that provides content for, and I quote, fashion, food, and etiquette for the ethically handsome man called The Discerning Brute. He runs the Brave Gentleman label and e-commerce store that features products which are a fusion of future textiles with centuries-old production methodology. In short, Joshua knows fashion, is on the cutting edge of ethical practices, and happens to be a pretty cool guy. That's why the announcement of his crowd-funded book, Fashion Animals, got all of us at the Fur Bears excited. Fashion Animals, set to be published by vegan publishers, following what we hope will be a successful Indiegogo campaign, takes on the fur fashion industry in a whole new way. Fashion Animals was a labor of love for Joshua, who spent five years developing it, compiling research, data, and a spectacular archive of rare images. Joshua joined Defender Radio from the road to discuss the writing of Fashion Animals, what readers and Indiegogo supporters can expect, and how he believes it will change the lives of countless animals around the world. Before we get to the interview, I want to let you know that this week, as a special thank you to all our patrons, I'll be giving away a hardcover copy of Joshua's new book. Each patron who contributes just $1 per month or more to Defender Radio will be entered into the draw, and I'll support fashion animals on Indiegogo and put your name in for the hardcover copy. Just visit patreon.com slash Defender Radio to become a patron and support the show and get your chance to win. The winner will be announced on next week's episode. You have written a new book, um, and it sounds very exciting. You are an authority on the subject of both fashion and animal use in fashion. So why don't we start in your Indiegogo page? You're talking about having spent years on this project, so... Where where does that story begin for you? I first started writing about fashion uh, from a from a critical standpoint, looking at the ethics of fashion in 2008 when I started my blog, The Discerning Brute. And out of that, I came to realize that the fashion industry wasn't and isn't something that's just frivolous and silly. It is something that has huge, huge impacts that often go unnoticed because people tend to look at fashion as something just about vanity. And in academia, in, 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 uh, especially in politics, fashion is not really taken that seriously. So here we have this industry that has these massive global impacts, including driving many species to extinction for something as simple as a fashion trend. And, and it sort of slips under the radar. People don't really realize that these things are happening. So um, when it came to this book, I knew that there was something there, that there was this untold story. And I wanted to look at 
how have animals been treated when it comes to fashion production and how are animals symbolized and how do we understand our relationship to animals through fashion? And I'm looking at it with this book through both of those lenses, looking at a, a psychological and sociological approach. Why are we so drawn to animal symbology and animal materials? What does it mean to us to wear skins of animals and feathers and hairs of animals? And what does it mean to us to want to look like these animals, to take on the qualities that we see as attractive to our own identities and egos? And most importantly, how does that differ from the reality of how these things are actually made? And often, what, how we envision and how we symbolize animals in fashion stands in stark contrast to the horrible realities of how these things are made. We're often taught, I, I don't want to say taught, we're told at the very least, that this is our heritage. And it, it, it is akin to a lot of arguments we hear, um, uh, for those of us involved in veganism as a community, we hear the same arguments of, we've always done it this way. And if we hadn't right. done this, if we hadn't worn the skin or fur of animals, we never would have made it as a species. And I, you can't really argue that point, but how does that then play into, you know, us talking in 2018 when yeah. uh, all of this other stuff is available from lab grown leather through to synthetics? And <laughs> how do we balance that concept of heritage and who we were with who we are today? Right. I think that that's a very slippery argument to make. Uh, of course, there are many things that we did as a species to survive. But the one thing we've always done is change and evolve and adapt. And putting, a, uh, putting such, a, such a, a significance upon maintaining something that we needed for survival thousands of years ago is silly, really. There's many things we did thousands of years ago for survival that people would scoff at today that we would never do. It doesn't mean we can't look back from an anthropological standpoint and say, yes, we, as, a, as human beings, we did what we needed to to survive. Now, it's a different context. It's all about context. And it's about embracing the fact that we are a species that changes and evolves and adapts. And now, we have other options. We have better options. We have superior materials that do far less damage to the environment and to animals, and that can keep us warmer and more protected. We have smart materials. We have high-tech materials. And this is an exciting and visionary future of material innovation that we have. And to cling to something that symbolizes survival from the past there's there's ways to appreciate that without having to continue causing harm. It, it often makes me think of someone saying, um, why are you using a computer? The abacus did us just fine for so long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when it comes to our relationship to animals, there's a special... People make special exceptions and special arguments for that. And that is something that I find fascinating. And that's something I read about in the book. When it comes to animals, animal materials, specifically in fashion, often 
it's because they symbolize power and having access to them is having access to power. And so people are very protective of having these symbols of power and status. Even if it's something that's subconscious, we have been pretty much indoctrinated over centuries that the most powerful people, the most wealthy people, the people with the most access to resources are seen and depicted everything from paintings of uh, in medieval Europe of royalty to uh, modern day uh, celebrities have things like expensive fur coats. And it really translates to having access to rare and expensive and difficult to obtain resources. So people protect their access to power. And that's, I think, why there's so much defensiveness around um, specifically something like fur and something also like luxury leather products. They're, they're seen as the epitome of quality. Um, the leather industry, for example, has put a lot of money and energy into owning words like authentic and real and genuine. And that's marketing. There's no, there's no concrete evidence that leather is genuine. There's plenty of genuine materials out there, but this is marketing. It's very effective marketing that's happened over a very long period of time. And it has to do with the relationships between luxury fashion houses and, uh, and traditional production facilities, that these are relationships of power and they're relationships of exclusion. And who doesn't want to have access to something that's exclusive? It, it is, again, uh, having access to that, it would be symbolic of, uh, of, of having some sort of power. Um, and, and this is something that we really look, examine closely in the book. And I'm curious, um, I, I have read much of what you've written on your blog. I, I've interviewed you in the past and you have an academic background. You have a fashion background. You have an activism background. What can we expect from this book in how it's written? Is it going to be a text with essays that are all cited thoroughly? Is it going to be more in line with your blogs, which are also cited thoroughly, but are, are written in perhaps what is a more accessible tone? Uh, what is mm -hmm. the style that we'll, we'll come across? I am so excited about this book because I wanted this book to be appealing to everyone. Mm -hmm. It is going to be a big, gorgeous coffee table book. There's going to be beautiful full-color images, archival images, rare fashion uh, illustrations and advertising from as early as the, the mid-1800s. And things that people are just going to be shocked to see and that are going to be fascinated to see. And there is commentary and criticism. And it isn't too academic. It is written in a way that I think really is a balance of all of those things that you described. It certainly has a perspective. I'm not trying to write a completely neutral uh, paper. I don't think this is a topic that can be looked at as neutral. I think that... The, I'm writing objectively about what has actually happened, and I'm also theorizing about what I think is going to happen and what I think the reasons that these things have happened, what those reasons are. So it's a, it's a theory, it's a critical analysis, and it's a gorgeous, beautiful book that anybody would just, just for the, the images alone, is worth, worth getting. And that's why we actually are running an Indiegogo campaign um, we're publishing with Vegan Publishers, which is a fantastic independent publishing company. And 
they um, to, to get something like this printed is expensive. A, a big, heavy, 300-page coffee table style book is not cheap to print. Mm-hmm. So to get to get it out there, we really need those pre-orders and to, in, to ensure distribution to reaching the people that need to read it and the people who it was designed to reach, uh, creative professionals, fashion designers, students, anybody who is drawn to beautiful imagery and animals is going to want to look at this book. So certainly there's something there for activists. It is a very important look at the fashion industry and why fashion is something that should matter to you if you care about animals. But it's also uh, a lure for people who are design and image oriented to, to take a look at how animals have been depicted and why they've been depicted that way. And hopefully this will really bridge a gap that exists between the worlds of academia and animal activism and design. I was going to ask about that actually very specifically, and you keep answering questions before I get to them. It's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible <laughs> trait to have, Joshua. But um, <laughs> no, and it's, it, it's when you brought up leather, the first thing I thought of was authentic and genuine. Um, and yeah. as you said, like it's, that's brilliant marketing on their parts. And then you talk right. about the book and the imagery and I think, well, is that how he's planning on getting to the subconscious? And like, how do you get to the subconscious? And you sort of, you've already hit that. It seems that this is not just a passion project for you. And anyone who, who has spent any time with, with what you create, whether it's your fashion or your website or your writing, it's very, very clear that you are an exceptionally passionate individual. Um, Thank you. How much of this is also strategic? though, because it has that feel that you have sat and thought about this a lot and probably worked with some other folks on sort of developing how can you access this group of people and how can you get in touch with that group of people through this product? Absolutely. This is, I approached this project with the strategy of a mainstream marketing campaign. I approached it with the strategy of a military operation. Mm-hmm. I wanted this to be precise and to reach the target audience. And I wanted it to, uh, to be effective. I don't, I'm not just writing a book to, to write down the information that I've gathered. This is, this is a tool and, and it has, it has a purpose and I want that purpose to be effective. So you're, you're right. You're, you're completely right. This is something that is part of my activism um, in trying to reach the people that need to read this book. And anybody who pre-orders the book is or contributes on the Indiegogo campaign is taking part in helping helping that uh, that promise that I've made be fulfilled. That this will reach the people that need to read it. This should be something that fashion instructors use in fashion schools as a source text. Mm -hmm. This should be something that is proudly put out on a coffee table for your, your guests and friends to, to page through and look at and ponder. This is something that should jump off of the shelf to anybody who just likes uh, exciting imagery and, and maybe they'll discover something that they wouldn't have otherwise sought out. So it is, it is designed to to be an effective tool, yes. 
And looking at what you have available online, the artwork already is is very alluring. Um, and it's, it's the wonderful selection of the, the cover image. Um, it's one of those ones where it almost feels sort of like, it, depending on your perspective, you'll see something different. Um, Absolutely. And that's, yeah. I, that's really eye-catching for me uh, with the fox wrapped around a woman. And it's, is she wearing the fox? Is the fox trying to get away from her? Is it biting her hand? Uh, or is it sort of that old-fashioned? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very confusing. And, and these mixed signals are constantly put out in fashion media. And a, a large portion of my investigation into this topic is centered around that, those mixed signals. It's what I have identified as a disconnect. And there are several main observations that I, break, that I make in the book that are broken into sections. Observations about the way we look at the animals that we love and the animals that we wear. The animals who are visible and present in advertising and the animals who have disappeared into these silent fashion objects. And sometimes they're side by side. And sometimes they're the same animal side by side where one is alive and being validated and cherished and the other is killed and disappeared into a fashion object. And this presents a very interesting mirror to look at ourselves and to look at our culture and say, how, how does something like this happen? How do we allow this disconnect to be so ingrained in our culture and so accepted that it's ideological? Yeah, I, that's, I, that's the question, really. I mean, that we spend so much time asking is, how is this okay uh, to so many people? Um, and I think it's not a single answer. And that's why having a, a big, beautiful book like this is going to be wonderful as a tool uh, for myself as an advocate, specifically in the fur uh, portion of yeah. things. Uh, and, and looking at the, the perks. So this is the Indiegogo campaign structure for those who are unfamiliar um, is you, you don't just give money. It's you give money and you get something uh, based on how much right. you give. And at 15, you get the ebook. Um, and at $35 U.S. Dollars, uh, plus shipping, you get a hardcover copy of the book. Now, this book, based on what I have seen of it and my somewhat limited knowledge of the, the publishing industry, uh, I would expect to see in the store for at least $60 or $70. Um, yeah, you, th this, is a, this is an expensive kind of book. So you're getting a really good deal by getting a 30, paying $35 US dollars for a book of this nature. Uh, and then uh, as it scales up, we start getting multiple copies, signed copies. Um, it's it's uh, a private book launch party. Ooh, um, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I just saw that one. Um, what do you expect the reaction to be to this? Um, I'm sure this is something you've thought about. Are you expecting the mainstream to look at it and say, wow, this is something we all need to talk about? Or are you expecting it to be maybe akin to how some activism is treated in that the mainstream media or culture tries to kind of shy away from it? I hope, well, my, what I hope and what I expect might not be. <laughs> <laughs> my, my hope is that this is something that people talk about that it creates conversation, creates discussion around these issues, and allows us to take fashion seriously without it being poo-pooed. And 
I think that there's a resistance that a lot of people have to talking about fashion from a serious standpoint because it's seen as something that's not serious. Mm-hmm. If you are someone who engages in the fashion industry, if you're somebody who likes design or who appreciates designers or who has studied fashion history, it is often seen as a sign of being, of, of being a vain person or, or a sign of vulgarity in some way. And or anti-intellectual. And I hope that with a book like this, it gives people a tool with which to talk about fashion and look at fashion and analyze fashion in a way that prevents those stereotypes from coming up and, and empowers us. And my expectation, and obviously also I, I hope that it becomes a tool for, for saving animals from the fashion industry, mm-hmm to know the history of what has happened to animals in fashion, to know what's currently happening to animals in the fashion industry is empowering, and to see it all in one place, to be able to have an overview and to see it as a, as a singular phenomenon, that is very powerful and empowering. Um, what I expect is obviously pushback from the industries that I am criticizing. I expect pushback from the wool industry and from the fur industry and from the leather industry. Um, there's, I'm, I'm not taking, uh, taking any prisoners when it comes to um, my critique of these industries. I think that these industries need to be completely replaced with something superior. And we have the technology and the ability to do it. So... There are people who are going to have millions and billions of dollars at stake. And, I, and I'm telling them, hey, you shouldn't have that money, and I want to take that money away from you. So there's going to be pushback. Um, and I also expect there to be controversy. It's controversial. There are things that have happened that I uncover in the book that is going to be shocking. Um, everything from something that Vogue magazine used to do in the early 1900s that uh, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm highlighting as a main feature, which is something very unexpected, to uh, the ways in which um, specific animals are, are secretively killed and driven to extinction for, for certain industries. So this book is just full of compelling stories, different things that have happened. It, it's, it is an overview, and it is a, a stopping at different points and different places and taking a close look at different things that have happened. Um, and also looking at images from um, a contemporary context. We're looking at these, in, these fashion advertisements from the late 1800s and the early 1900s, and we're looking at them with what we know now. And it is shocking to me that some of these things were effective, effective advertisements. Mm-hmm. I, I say to myself, how on earth did this can compel people to go shopping when... Uh, for example, there's one image um, for the International Fur Store, which was a store on Regent Street in London. Uh, it was a very big, expensive department store, uh, kind of like what Saks Fifth Avenue would be today in New York and on um, Fifth Avenue. And the advertisement showed a dead polar bear bleeding from his nose um, just on the ground and a hunter standing above him. And then all sorts of different fur-bearing animals in the background, uh, sort of waiting to be hunted and killed. And that was the advertisement: a dead polar bear. That's nice. and 
it's just shocking to, to look at something like that and think, oh, that is what got people up and out and shopping. <laughs> and yeah. why? And what's changed? What do we now know? And, and can you imagine an advertisement like that today? Could you imagine the fur industry using a dead, bleeding polar bear to convince people to go buy fur? It, it's very, very, um, it's just, I find it very fascinating. That one certainly is from. Okay, I mean, from the psychological standpoint and the cycle of uh, the uh, the marketing standpoint, it's all very, very interesting. And one thing I wanted to ask too, something that's very, very common in activism now is the use of graphic images. And there's a lot of yeah. debate over when to use them, when not to use them. What is the the layout in the book regarding graphic images, current graphic images? We are working with Joanne MacArthur mm -hmm. of We Animals to have some contemporary images of animals in production. They are not gory. They are upsetting. Yeah. And I think that what Joanne MacArthur does, she's an, an incredible photographer, and I think she really captures the animals Person, personalities and individual um, feelings. And that's something that's so difficult to do, and I find that that's more effective than showing a gory image. Um, and being able to look into an animal's eyes and connect with them and see their pain and see their languish and see their, the conditions that they're in, um, I think that that's going to be more effective for a book like this than you know, an animal being slaughtered, which I, I think there's a time and a place for images like that. I'm not sure about in this book. There may, there may be one or two images that border on that, on that level of, of graphic content. And certainly some of the things that I've written about, the conditions that the animals are in, that's there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm writing about it from a very honest standpoint about what happens to animals. Um, but we, um, we don't have anything that's overly graphic. Excellent. Yeah, Joanne um, is able to strike that balance, unlike, I think, any other photographer. So it's 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 good to know that um, some of her stuff's being included. Um, yeah. I want to quickly talk about, I'm going to go back to, if you don't mind, the, um, the perks. Because right now, we have raised about half of the money that we need. We've raised about just under $10,000, and we're raising 20000 And I sort of, I want to put a call out there that if there's anyone who, who exists out in the world that is listening to this, that cares about a project like this, that cares about animals, that wants to see the fashion industry change, this book is essential. No one has written a book on this topic before. And no one has written a book in this way about this topic, especially. So... This is really an important tool that should be out there. And it is going to get to the people who are in positions to make change in the industry. That's my goal. So what I'm hoping is that there's someone out there who's willing to match funds, who's willing to get one of those really um, larger perks, maybe the $10,000 perk or even the $20,000 perk, and really put your name behind this project and become part of history. This is a historic book that's being written. Um, if, 
if somebody's out there who has those kinds of resources that thinks that this is something important, I'd love to hear from you. And you could even look at something where there's where there's funds matched. That for every dollar that's uh, that's contributed by other people, that dollar is doubled. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there that I, I know there's someone out there who, who can do that. And I'm hoping that they will reach out to you as soon as they hear this, because uh, we all need this book. To find out more about fashion animals or contribute for one of the many amazing perks on Indiegogo, visit Indiegogo.com and search fashion animals or follow the links on this week's show notes at thefurbears.com. Remember that I'll be giving away a hardcover copy of fashion animals to one of the patrons of Defender Radio. Get more details by signing up at patreon.com slash Defender Radio and contributing just $1 per month to help us reach our 100 patron goal for 2018 and show your support for the podcast. That's it for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Joshua as much as I did. And remember to sign up for weekly updates from the show at thefurbears.com slash updates. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.